Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17 to 19. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome to a very special episode of Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are the Wellness Women. So thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, We're excited to, I guess, bring something into our audience that you guys are our, I guess, our secret niche, our friends and people that uh, we trust and we love and we care for. So we're letting you in on secrets, uh, sometimes ahead of what other people get to hear. So this is uh, is a big one we're going to let out of the bag today. Oh, I'm so excited. Now, um, this episode is going to be a little bit different because today we're actually going to be interviewing our beautiful Dr. Ashley Bond. Um, Ash doesn't even know the questions that I'm going to ask her today, but she does know the very exciting news that we're going to reveal. Um, but let me get into that in just a moment. Um, so let me introduce Ashley to you properly. Um, I know that you've heard um, all about her. I know that a lot of you have met her um, in person as well, and you've you know experienced her incredible wisdom over the last 50-something episodes. I, don't even, I can't even remember which number this is up to. Um, but we haven't actually really delved into how – you know, Ash is is the incredible woman that she is, and um, we'll, we're going to delve into that today. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, um, Ash is, or Dr. Ashley Bond, is a holistic chiropractor. She's a family wellness expert. Um, I like to call her a health designer because that's exactly what she does. Um, she works with people from all walks of life in her practice every single day. Um, she's co-founder of the Wellness Women, co-host of Wellness Women Radio, obviously. Um, and she's also the entrepreneur behind um, her new brand, which is Living Low Tox, which is specializing in helping educate women about the effects of xenoestrogens, about about how the um, toxic, uh, in, you know, I guess, estrogens in our environment affect 
our own reproductive hormones and our own fertility. Um, and she's absolutely an expert in these things, which is incredible. So that's why um, I think we're, we're a pretty amazing team. So Ashley, welcome to Wellness Women Radio. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, this is so funny because we're usually on the flip side interviewing others. You're actually making me blush. I totally get why people she feel embarrassed. Blushing. I can actually see it, guys. Just <laughs> why so people you know. feel embarrassed when you give us um, this big talk up because we're so not comfortable talking ourselves up are we so thank you very much that's a beautiful intro i appreciate that um but you know what actually it's, it's absolutely well deserved you know those accolades you've worked really hard for and i haven't even talked about your sporting achievements or anything like that yet so maybe we'll go into that in a bit but what i'm really most over the moon so so excited to actually let our audience know a beautiful secret that we have that well you but me too has been um harboring for the last 20 weeks <laughs> Yes. Um, Ash, can you can you finally tell everybody what your exciting news is, please? Well, I, we're very, very, I guess, humbled and blessed to have been chosen to uh, to fall pregnant. And so, yeah, I guess the big news is that um, as this goes to air, I'm 21 weeks pregnant, and um, I think it's it's an incredible journey because having worked with women through the pre-facility, fertility, and then obviously conception phases for so many years. I mean, nearly a decade now. I've watched that journey firsthand with so many women and now it's my turn. Like it's, it's, I get to feel it and experience it and the highs and lows and all those changes. So, yeah, um, my husband Peter and I just feel really blessed to have um, had this opportunity to, to this point and to go through this journey. And obviously there's a lot more to come, but yeah, it's it's really exciting. Oh, it is the most exciting news. You guys, she has the cutest bump ever. <laughs> I am going to insist that we pop some photos on social media so that you can see it because it is seriously adorable. Um, and just this journey has been so incredible. Ash has been a trooper. We have had so much going on over the last few months. Um, if you saw her at the Wellness Summit, she was in her very early stages of pregnancy then. Um, she was having, you know, a little bit of morning sickness and a few other things, wasn't feeling 100%, um, which is pretty normal in those early stages of pregnancy, um, but she completely powered through. Um, if you saw us at the Heal Your Gut event more recently, um, I think Ash, you were about 17 or 18 weeks along then, um, and and we were still keeping things pretty quiet then. Um, I say we, like I'm so involved in this. <laughs> Uh, you've been I'm holding sure the secret beautifully. Like, <laughs> um, and can I just say that uh, there's something so, so cute and beautiful. Um, Ashley's husband, Pete, is just such a gorgeous man and he's so excited about this. He has these gorgeous little Facebook posts that he puts up all the time with this hashtag that they've created because um, they were referring to the little bub, especially in the early days, as their little chia seed, which isn't that just so cute, a little uh. chia seed? Because well, um, the background to that is, and for any woman who's fallen pregnant, you know, one of the big things that happens is you're trying to work out how big this thing is to put perspective on what it is you're experiencing and what it is your body's changing to. And um, when I think I had an inkling like the first week, I just, I kind of just knew. And people say, how do you know? I'm like, honestly, I just knew my body just just knew. Uh, it was instant and I almost mentally, emotionally knew as well, which is really fascinating. Um, but I, I held off having, you know, that time to take a pregnancy test because 
I kind of knew, but I just, oh, I'll just wait. And by the time we took the pregnancy test, um, I didn't even want to look at it because I was, you know, kind of excited and kind of nervous as well. Um, I just did the test and stuck it in the cupboard under the vanity and said, Pete, you know, you go up there and look at it because, <laughs> and you tell me. And, and he already said, oh, I think you're pregnant. You're behaving funny. I was like, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> so he goes, and your boobs look bigger. I'm like, oh, okay, well then, that must be something. Um, and then by the time we looked at it, that's how cheer came about because when we, we checked in and saw, okay, that's how many weeks. And, Oh, wow. And it's a sesame seed, but we didn't think the nickname sesame would fit. So we're like, sesame seed, chia seed. They're about the same size. Perfect. So ever since then, it's called chia. And my husband hashtags, you know, chia love on everything because he's uh, just totally besotted by this idea that something's growing inside my belly. It's just amazing. Oh, it's so, so sweet. Um, it is just, just the cutest thing ever. Um, okay. So Ash, what I would love to talk about, let's go back to the beginning, not the beginning of this conception because we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> The beginning of- well, I can tell you full moon cycles in uh, July were pretty powerful. So oh, yes, there might definitely. be a few other women who've experienced this actually because uh, talking to some of our colleagues and friends, yeah, how many women fell pregnant in the same month? Man, there were so many secrets I've been keeping yeah, over the last couple of months about phenomenal. all these women who are pregnant in my Phenomenal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there could be something to that. But, no, you don't need to know about those details. Um, I think, you know, here I am, 33, pregnant with for the first time, um, first conception. So that's another thing too, you know, in terms of um, a lot of women can have multiple conceptions, but this is my first conception and first pregnancy. And uh, there's a lot of years leading up to 33 and a lot of things that happen. Yeah, definitely. And look, I want to go back to how you got into this health journey to start with. Um, I know that your incredible mother is such a beautiful inspiration to you and she kind of instilled in you that you could do anything that you want and that there's no holds barred, there's no barriers for you. Um, you were a competitive athlete. Um, I'm kind of, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do this justice. I'm going to let you go back. Um, Ash, can you kind of talk us through, through your, your teenage years, you also had some hormonal issues. Can you kind of delve into that for us? Yeah. Okay. And this is a, I think this is a story I've heard from so many women that uh, I've worked with in practice and they just talked to in health circles and also in sports circles, just women around the traps and you go, wow, this is such a common journey for women who are from an athletic background, also non-athletic, but it just seems to have a quite a high prevalence. And um, right from a young age, I'm a competitive personality type, so I always had to win. You know, if I had to run against my brother, I'd make sure I'd, I'd win. If I had to do something, I really want to win. Um, so I think, you know, you either have that characteristic or you don't. Um, there's a drive within you that no one outside you has to push you. Your worst enemy is yourself because you beat yourself up the most if you lose and you want to work harder and go higher, train harder, you know, do more. So that was mm-hmm. me. It's always been me. Um, it's certainly a characteristic that I've had to work on uh in order to help deal with some of the hormonal stuff later on that we found out about because you know that that driver that that high cortisol driven personality type also has a major impact on you know infertility or or fertility issues but and that that went right through so right from a young age all the way through um early teens to middle teens my first uh, cycle happened at the age of just over 15 so I felt like I got pretty lucky. I was definitely the last person in my group to to have a menstrual cycle, which um, whilst some people thought that was weird, I was actually really excited about it because I'd seen girls since, you know, late primary school. Like, you know, there was girls as young as 10, 12 having their cycles in yeah. my classes and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope that doesn't happen to me. And I really felt for them because there was just so much emotional and physical difficulty with that, trying to hide that at primary school, let alone yeah. high school. So I don't know. I thought I got lucky. Um, but then, you know, as it went on, High-level sport, 
anywhere from seven to 12 sessions a week between in the pool, dry land training sessions, in the surf. So just for background, I was doing national level swimming and surf lifesaving, then throw me in some athletics every now and then with uh, teams at school and things. And there was mm-hmm. just a lot of load, a lot of sport, a lot of training, which was, you know, I loved it. I, I never thought that it was odd or, or hard. It was just something I absolutely, you didn't have to drag me out of bed at five in the morning to go training. I, I was already yeah. ready at the door. And if anything, you know, my mum was like, oh God, hold on. Yeah, yeah, coming, coming, coming. <laughs> she was amazing. So I was really lucky. But the side effect of that was for a good couple of years there, just cycles were so irregular. So I'd have a cycle, then I'd have none for three months, and then I'd have one. It was, you know, maybe two-day bleed, and that seemed really weird, and then it would go again, and I might have one another month later, and then it'd be six months. And so, so irregular that um, we thought, oh, well, maybe something's wrong. So mum and I went to the doctor. And the doctor, yeah, went, oh, that's not normal. And first thing they did was put me on the contraceptive pill, which, you know, at that time made sense because, hey, if you want to – I have a regular cycle and you want to guarantee it's regular, well, a pill's going to give you that because it's got 28 days and, it, you know, and it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my journey. And that's where I stayed on that pill for six or seven years, um, so all through my teens. But it was my second year of uni where the journey really began. And I say a journey because it was the first time I really thought about my fertility, you know, future family possibilities, things like that. Because up until that point, I wasn't thinking kids and family. But, you know, you're in uni, you've got a boyfriend, all that stuff's happening. You think, oh, one day we'll have kids. Um, I was getting horrendous left-sided pain down through my pelvis into my groin, into my leg. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening there was I was getting what was constantly diagnosed, uh, physio and chiro too. We, we, I was a chiro student, so we had lots of people looking at me. And we kept thinking I was getting an adductor strain or iliopsoas strain um, from training and mm-hmm. sport. But I was getting this- Which are some of the muscles that attach into the front of the pelvis there. Yeah. And so I was yeah. constantly getting this, you know, really acute crippling pain. Uh, so it went on for quite some time, a couple of months of, you know, on and off horrendous sharp pains that would leave me buckled over. I thought something's up and yeah. went to yeah. the doctor. Doctor poked around pelvis, did it, you know, said, yeah, I don't know, not sure. Um, let's go get an ultrasound, just have a look at the insertions of the muscles in through the pelvis and we'll check your ovaries mm-hmm. and just make sure everything's okay. Um, yeah, and so that's that was the next step. Um, went to the ultrasound, to the hospital to get that done. Um, uh, you know, on an earlier episode I referred to this, so, you know, thankfully the emotion kind of come, comes away from this story sometimes, which is good because it still catches me off guard sometimes when I even think about it. But I wasn't yeah. told that it was going to be an intrapelvic ultrasound, so I wasn't told they were going to use a probe internally. Um, oh, like yeah. in the sense, it, until I was lying on the table ready to go, and then they said, This is what we use. And just the horror of having someone insert something into me, um, that I wasn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand the process. So it really caught mm-hmm. me off guard. And it emotionally really hit me hard because I don't know, I felt violated and I couldn't explain it to anyone. I was like, It didn't feel normal to me at that young age to have someone stick something inside me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, because yeah, I hadn't yeah. had that sort of self exploration time in my life where, you know your body well enough to understand, you know, what's what and how it all works. Anyway, long story short, got through that, trauma of that was enough, and then we got the double whammy. And that was the results of the ultrasound. So it was not a muscular problem. Um, we found out that my left ovary had 32 cysts mm-hmm. and my right had 24. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. And that's when, you know, went back to the doctor and they said, well, you've got polycystic ovaries and um, there's very likely going to be a problem with fertility. 
And that was that was all I was told: stay on the pill. <laughs> um, and it was just yeah, and that and that was it. And that's all I got told at that time. And I just remember really feeling so sad about that because I just loved working with children. I babysat, I nannied, I did swimming teaching with kids, I did holiday parties with kids. Uh, It was just something that I just loved working with children. I thought, oh my God, what if I could never have a family? And it's a little fear that played on my mind for a decade, which is just incredible how much something said at one time in your life can hold along with you for such a long time. Yeah, that's amazing. And also to give you that information and at that age and let you know, yeah, fertility is going to be a problem. I think that that is actually really irresponsible. Um, It was a lot to take in because I didn't have context. I didn't understand what the problem was or or what it was all about. So, yeah, it was really, really tricky at that time in my life. I didn't know what we know now. Gosh, I wasn't a wellness woman back then. (laughs) I was just just a normal, you know, early 20s woman or actually might have been 19 by that stage because second uni um, that just, you know, was just going through the teen journey, just doing the thing, having fun at uni, you know, boyfriend, all that sort of stuff, Um, working, playing, living at home still. Like there was just so much stuff that I didn't know then and uh, only time and experience gives you the uh, retrospect to say, God, I wish I'd knew that. (laughs) How many women listening? I mean, women listening must be thinking the same. Yeah, God, I wish I'd known that before Um, because it, it just happens all the time. I hear it all the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's one of the biggest myths within reproductive medicine is telling women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome that you can have trouble falling pregnant or you can't get pregnant. It is seriously one of the biggest myths that there is. So I'm quite happy to debunk that right now and let you know that you absolutely can fall pregnant. You can have babies if that's what you choose. Um, it just means that there is a hormonal imbalance there that needs to be addressed. Um, so Ash, fast forward, you know, like a decade when you and Pete decided that maybe you wanted to try and have a baby within, you know, X amount of years or, or what it might be, hmm. what sort of things did you consider or did you put into place to make sure that you were the healthiest version of yourself to then create the healthiest eggs to then have the healthiest little bub? Awesome. That's a good question because that is a long journey. So I'll try and short track it because, and I say to women all the time, it took so long to get to that point of a failed reproductive system. In this case, you know, polycystic ovaries, I was later to learn from an incredibly great holistic chiropractor who I asked the question of, how do I fix this? And he said, I'm not going to tell you how to fix this. You're going to have to go and learn this because this is, you know, your bread and butter. You need to know about your body and you need to about your health and you're going to be a chiropractor and you're going to teach others. So if you don't know this, I'm not going to tell you the answers. And I was like, whoa, that's mean. But then, no, it wasn't. It was the greatest gift he gave me was to to force me to go learn further. Um, but he just said, go and look at the insulin response. Look at it as an insulin problem. Go mm-hmm. and look at the, the I guess, the um, uh, pituitary ovarian axis. Just have mm-hmm. a look at the chemical pathways and the hormones involved and start to understand why this comes about. And geez, when I looked back at my lifestyle as an athlete, eating jelly lollies all the time, living on, you know, the Gatorades and sports drinks, having white bread, banana, honey sandwiches before racing, like I'm telling you, insulin was absolutely a problem. You know, this is a pre diabetic state. I was just pumping my body day in and day out with sugars because uh, that was the sport's time in life that that's what we were told that's how we're educated you yeah know, carb yeah. load lots of glucose take glucose tablets <laughs> it was just i look at it now and think oh my god that's insane um yeah. but back then it was so normal and you just did because everyone around you did that same thing so can i just un- interject there yeah you were a top level athlete yes 
you were not overweight. No. You didn't have any excess hair. You no. might have had irregular cycles. Um, you would have been what everyone could would consider, quote, unquote, the picture of health, right? Absolutely. No but one you had questioned the PCOS. problem with health. Yep, absolutely. And that is so common nowadays as well. We see all of these women coming in who, you know, may go to the gym every single day. They might be really fit and active. They might have a really good diet as well. You know, maybe they aren't doing all the glucose loading that you were taught, but they still have PCOS. So just because you don't fit that typical, um, you know, triad of classifications for PCOS, which is just to clarify for everybody, it is the multiple follicles on the ovaries, which is diagnosed by ultrasound and the insulin resistance or that hyperinsulinemia that you would get by via a blood test, um, as well as the androgen type or the male type pattern, which can be hair growth, weight distribution, those sorts of things as well. Um, so you were, I guess, the picture of health, um, but you still had that diagnosis. But yeah. now that you've gone back, you've yeah. looked at how your lifestyle has, has led to that. Yeah. And look, it's not just mine. I later, because I've always followed Olympic level sports, I'm, I'm particularly interested in kayaking and swimming because they relate to my surf life-saving life as well. And there was a particular, you know, K4, and this is women's kayaking K4 crew, and I later found out that three out of four of that crew had PCO as well. And yeah. and then you start to learn some statistics and there's some studies through the AIS looking at fertility in their athletes and so many high-level athletes have issues with their fertility as well. And I was like, oh, and it was the first time I felt like not alone. I thought, oh, my gosh, okay, so not just me. I It's slightly self-inflicted through lifestyle choices, but, um, okay, there's other people out there that, that are dealing with this even though I didn't have the, the hairy factor and, and the overweight factor because then I didn't feel like I had it as well. So it was really yeah. – I was in this limbo zone like, well, hang on, I don't have the classic one, but I've seen the ultrasound. I saw those cysts on my ovaries. Like I know what they look like. My little left ovary should have been five centimetres. It was 15 centimetres dilated. Like it was horrifying yeah. to see and yet, you know, the doctor still says I'm not polycystic ovarian syndrome because I don't have the other tick boxes. Yeah. Super interesting, yeah. hey? So it's, it's yeah. really, this is why I say it's so unique to each woman and you've got to understand your body and, you know, this is the journey. So that journey started when I understood that life started to change. I started mm -hmm. to change my diet. Mm -hmm. I started to introduce uh, rather than my high-intensity, all-the-time high-intensity training, I got a bit more careful about recovery as well. So yeah. included more recovery, more downtime, more relaxation training sessions, which you can relax and you can train at the same time, I discovered. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, um, it doesn't yeah. have to be at that, that, you know, constant intensity. So it really was for me a very much a dietary thing. And then, you know, which is why the direction I'm taking in, in my, I guess, expertise now is then I discovered something about um, xenohormones, xenoestrogens, things in our lifestyle and environment that are mimicking the hormone compounds that I was most affected with. And that was that estrogen issue. So um, yeah, that's, that's a journey. And then I would say that it would have been sort of seven, eight year journey leading up to when Pete and I decided we'd love to start a family. So it didn't happen overnight. So women out there, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm where she is, but I just want to get pregnant now. Um, it may not take you that long because I never tested the waters to see, <laughs> to see if I could yeah. see. So, you know what, that's not because I couldn't, it's just simply, I never tried. Um, yeah. but I know that it took me that long to be where I am today. So it was a, a seven, eight year journey to get to the point where in my reproductive health and, you know, and it's not a brag to say this, but 
the very first time we tried was the very first time we conceived. So that's yeah. beautiful. And that's yeah. you're absolutely right. You're not bragging. What you're saying is you put in eight years of hard work to get your body and to get your mind and, you know, obviously everything else that you guys had to have your ducks in a row before you decided that this was the choice that you wanted to make, but everything was ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. You got your body ready for that and it does take work. Having healthy reproductive organs, having healthy hormones, having balanced hormones, it takes work. Yeah, I don't believe um, it's good luck or chance. I, yeah. You know, I put down, you know, a lot of people say, oh, oh, they're just lucky or, oh, that's just, oh, wow, that's, I'm like, well, you know, for some women it is, but for any woman who's been on the journey we've been on, for most of you girls listening, because you've come onto our, our show because you want to learn about your reproductive health, um, it's not just luck or chance. It's, it's a journey. It's a constant evolution of understanding. It's implementing the understanding too. That's the big mm-hmm. thing. It's all very good to know this stuff, but you actually have to do it in your own life. And did I fall off the wagon in my diet? Absolutely. <laughs> I won't lie to you. Of course I did. You know, holidays. How can you not go to Rome and eat gelato every day? Um, <laughs> so there's plenty of times in, in my life over that time where I was not uh, a saint when it came to my diet, but I was yeah. certainly consistent over time. And that was the big thing I think that uh, I feel as though that's really what turned the corner for me in uh, fertility. And then when the cycle started to regulate, um, I started to then, you know, do the tracking like the, the basal temperature, like the cervical mucus checks, mm-hmm. and then I really started to get it. And my cycle is typically sort of 35 days, which is a lot longer than most women's, mm-hmm. but that didn't concern me because that became consistent, that became regular. Mm-hmm. I knew the fertile times in that cycle and I thought, well, I'm not 28 days, but 35 and it's quite regular. That's regular for me. Um, so that's yeah, when yeah. I knew I felt like I had some control back in my reproductive health. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you might still have that hormonal prof- profile for a polycystic ovarian syndrome, but you have done so much work to make sure that you've absolutely maximized your fertility and, and your hormonal health, which is incredible. Um, so, Ash, how's the pregnancy been so far? Uh, look, I think interesting. The first couple of weeks, I felt a lot of uh, almost like really heavy period pain down low. It was just a, mm-hmm. an unusual feeling, um, feeling deep and, and dull aches. And of course, then throw in the, I love how they call it morning sickness. Until you, you've had it, you realize it's not morning sickness. It's like any time of the day sickness. <laughs> you yeah. know, one day you get up and you go, oh, actually, I feel pretty good. And you can eat breakfast. And then by lunchtime, you're like, Ugh, no food. Thank you. Um, there's quite a few times where I felt good by lunchtime and thought, oh, that's the end of that. Went out to Coles, got, you know, went to the local shop, got, got all the groceries, really nice meal to cook for dinner. And by the time I got home and looked at that stuff, I'm like, Pete, you're eating on your own. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love you, but I can't cook for you tonight. Um, and yet I love cooking. So, you know, there was a few things there that did change. Um, I would say that cravings is a question. So some of my close friends have asked and I look, I, I don't know if I believe in cravings uh, as much as women talk to me about because I still believe in choice towards health. So even yeah. if I, I had cravings to eat a bag full of lollies, I choose not to. So part of me would not let that happen, but I'd go and cut up some pineapple or some watermelon. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the cravings that women often say, oh, yeah, I was craving donuts or I was craving this. 
Um, sure, I've had certainly some sweet cravings, but I haven't succumbed to the choices that I know are not good for me or for the developing bubba. So, um, and if you just look at that objectively for a moment, so if you're having some really sweet cravings, and let's take you know everything else out of the equation, if we're just looking at what your body's requiring, you're growing another human being inside your body. That's an incredibly energy uh, rich process, right? You need a lot of energy to do that. So it could be that the lolly or the sugar cravings was just because you require some more energy um, that you need to get from your food. And so having some fruit, the pineapple, whatever it might be, is perfect. Yeah, um, so it worked for me. I, I felt good. I felt like that there was a, a positive choice. Um, yeah, but right. I totally understand when women don't feel that way and they think, oh, it's just not enough. It's not working. I, I do then suggest we need to go back to basics in nutrition and say, well, are you getting enough proteins? Are you getting enough quality fats? Yeah, again, and your good quality carbohydrates as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, another thing I haven't done, which I always love because a lot of women will always say, this, oh, eating for two. Um, no, I, I've chosen consciously not to increase meal sizes, not to increase volumes unless I'm really particularly hungry and then I'll, I mm-hmm. might add a snack meal in, which will be a Whole Foods again. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably partly why you know, 18 weeks, no one could even tell I'm pregnant still. Um, aside from being a fit body and generally in good shape, um, I haven't, you know, thankfully at this point in my pregnancy, I haven't put on a lot of weight because yeah. I've still been very mindful of my normal lifestyle habits. Um, yeah. Being yeah. pregnant doesn't change the way I think about how I should feel or, or feed or nourish my body. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. Ash, what else has changed for you since being pregnant? Oh, I mean, there's clearly the mental emotional stuff that you've got to go through. Um, for me, it sounds so funny. And people say, how can you think of work first? But for me, it was actually, actually my clients and my career. Um, it was actually about, oh, what do I do now? Like, what happens when I'm off work? What happens yeah. to those people I really care about that I'm looking after, you know, under regular care that I want to be there for them? Um, and there was a bit of guilt associated with that. Like, oh, that's not mm-hmm. fair. I shouldn't, shouldn't, you know, walk away from them. Um, and then, of course, a bit of fear of like, what if something happens with my body? What if there's injury in the pregnancy? Um, can I get through it? What if I can't go back to work? So uh, it sounds funny. A lot of fears and what ifs have been coming up through the pregnancy that I'd probably never thought about before. So I've just had to really consciously sit down, chill out, try and answer my own questions and talk to the people around me that uh, can answer the ones I don't feel like I have good enough solutions for that is still bothering me. So certainly having good people around you when you're pregnant, I would highly recommend women to to voice their fears and concerns because yeah. often it's something, if you hold on to it, it manifests, it keeps building and growing and it can become quite a worrying time through your pregnancy if you're not sure, um, if you're fearful of something. And that could be just the birth itself. I mean, that could be fear of the pain to come, fear of delivery, fear of the what-ifs could go wrongs, um, fear of losing your job or not getting your job back, you know, fear of your partner looking at you differently or thinking you look fat and overweight and horrible. There's a lot. I actually was surprised at how many fears came up. I was fascinated because I generally don't have that way of, uh, you know, that does not a daily thought process for me. And look, I'm sure that you're not alone in those as well. And and these are just things that you need to process and you need to go through. And it's obviously coming up for a reason, um, obviously to teach you lessons and, and uh, I guess accept or acknowledge different parts of you, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, now, Ash, I have, I have two more questions for you. Mm-hmm. One of them is... Um, what are the resources that you're using right now? You know, it might be books, it might be 
you know, set podcast, whatever yeah. it might be, what are you using that's really helping to give you the information that you feel is resonating with you at this stage of your pregnancy right now? Well, because of the fears, I straight away went, I'm a person who likes to get excited. So I thought, right, if I'm feeling fearful about something, I want to get excited about the somethings that I'm worried about. So for me, I straight away went into, okay, um, the connection with uh, with the growing fetus and then now growing baby just this idea of this amazing emotional spiritual journey that you can go mm-hmm. on um really working on sort of meditation principles and and connection and gratitude and just being so grateful that my, my body is doing this um and that, you know the little bubs inside is is doing its best work possible to grow and develop well um, obviously, nutrition's a big one. It's something I've got control over, so therefore I, I yeah. take control of that. Um, I've believed that, and I've always believed that the woman's body is amazing and capable. And this is not everyone, so this is a personal opinion. So I will say that outright. I believe a woman can can birth at home. Um, so awesome. Peter and I have decided that we would like to um, approach our pregnancy with the intention of a home birth. And as I talk to all the lovely women I work with. There's always a plan A, plan B, plan C. And then there's yeah. the absolute no choice in the matter, safety necessary for mother and baby scenario. But if you've planned everything up to that, um, I'm using the, the techniques from uh, Ina May Gaskin. She's an amazing you know, home birth midwife from America. A lot of books from her and some great ones there. And also awesome. um, hypnobirthing. Beautiful. So they're the tools and a local doula as well. She's an amazing woman and she's, uh, yeah, she's going to be my, my spiritual soul sister. And then I'm going to have a, a home midwife who's my clinical clinician, you know, logic thinking, yeah. can take all the data, can take all the information and make hard calls that need to be made. Um, yeah. so that I've got that, that sort of energetic balance of the person who's the clinical one who can do all the stuff that's left brain and then the emotional connective sort of, uh, a spiritual sister who can help with the actual journey and the, I guess, the keep the head on track for while you're trying to let your body do its work. Um, that, uh, so the, that's yeah, incredible. Look, that's that's yeah. the intention. So Now, you're, um, we're not going to go into this now because that's an episode all into itself. Your choices to home birth, what that process is going to look like, the um, reasons you, know, you made that choice and how you're preparing for that is incredible. So, ladies, this is not a decision to be taken lightly. We're going to do an entire episode just on that because it is so important. Yeah, um, but- birth, birthing choices are huge and we may even get someone else we know who's really, really wonderful in this, um, Dr. Karen Jaff, who does Mum's the Word podcast because she, well, we know she's certainly uh, a passionate uh, birthing queen there. So we might even yeah. get her on board as well because this is a topic that's important. I think understanding choices is a really powerful thing and knowing that it covers you mentally, emotionally and physically through that journey uh, because I certainly know women who don't feel safe doing that and therefore yeah. I would not recommend it. If you yeah. don't feel safe in the space and home birth is right for you, I've always said do what feels safe and right to you. And yeah, so, exactly. you know, and that's, that's our choice. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to, to be in that place. And like, look, we're only halfway. So <laughs> that choice could change at any time because of a, any number of medical reasons. Um, but at the moment, that's the plan of action. Um, and we'll definitely keep you updated every single step yeah. of the way as to, um, you know, what's happening, what's changing, um, you know, when she's in labor, all of those sorts of things. And don't worry, Ashley's not going anywhere. Okay. She's still going to be on the podcast. She's still committed to this. Um, our wellness with family is just growing. Yeah. Um, now, Ash, <laughs> my, um, my last question um, for you is, 
What would you say or what advice would you give to the women who might have been in a similar situation to you, who might have some hormonal imbalances or might be struggling with fertility or something like that? What would you say to them to help give them a bit of, um, I guess, a light at the end of the tunnel? I think to know that the journey is not easy, but it's worth it. And it sounds cliche, but, you know, I've consulted naturopaths. I've been to chiropractic for the whole period because obviously I'm a chiropractor, so I get checked and adjusted regularly. Um, I've used acupuncture. I've looked at diet, lifestyle, nutrition. Um, I've approached it from the, particularly for me, the xenohormones. I felt as though there was a lot of chemical toxicity in my lifestyle that was creating a detrimental effect on my health and well-being, yep, which exactly. was an immediate impact on my fertility, I would say don't give up and don't let the, like like I said, a decade of fear in the back of my mind, those words were still ringing loud from that specialist that said to me, um, you may not be able to have kids. And it was a, as blunt as that. And it was yeah. just, it was a really scary little thought and I had to keep finding peace and I, I would do meditations on it <laughs> and I would sit there and go, okay, whatever's to be will be, but let me do everything I can so that whatever this journey is going to take, I feel like I've done the very, very best I can. I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to feel like I squandered the opportunities that were given to me um, to try and get my body in shape so that hopefully if it's to be, I'll have that journey and and maybe one day I'll be pregnant. And, you know, and here I am right now, um, nothing's guaranteed. And I always fall back on that, but I have great faith, great hope. And, and you know, I always believe the best possible situation in all scenarios. So, um, yeah, ladies, if you're listening and you think, oh my gosh, you know, oh, that's really lucky or it's luck to some degree. Every pregnancy, I think, is some degree of luck because it's just the miracle of conception. If you look at two cells met each other in the entirety of this universe, it's just that in itself is phenomenal concept. But, um, but in terms of your health and well-being, there's not as much luck in that. I think there's a lot to do with the actions you take along the way. But also, I think your partner's health. For women that are struggling, sometimes you need to be talking to your partner about their health, their well-being, Absolutely. their lifestyle, their, their I guess, uh, sperm counts, things like that, and, yeah. and seeking expert support advice along the way. So thank you for listening to my story too, by the way. Um, it's, you know, it's, it is a personal journey, and I really feel very privileged to share that with you today. So ladies listening, thank you very much for also supporting me on that journey. It's actually the the... I think the research that I've done to bring this information to you ladies listening, um, that has also reinforced some of the choices I'm making and tidied up some of my bad habits. Funny enough, when I researched certain topics, I went, oh gosh, I'm guilty of that. And straight away, I went back to to making changes in my own life. So thank you for listening because you actually forced me to to reflect on my own life and tidy up my things too. <laughs> Ah, oh, awesome. Um, Ash, this is such a beautiful journey and we are so honoured to be on that with you as well. Um, so ladies, we really, really hope that you're excited about our growing Wellness Women family. Um, we will absolutely keep you updated every step of the way. Um, we'll, you know, let you know what fruit or vegetable Ash is each week when <laughs> or, or the baby is each week. I think we're an oversized mango at the moment. Oversized mango. Okay. Yep. Excellent. No, probably um, a bit and- bigger than that. 16 centimetres is not a mango. My God, wouldn't that be the best mango? ever if it was that big <laughs> um yeah actually from the little bump that i saw on you before it's not so little anymore it does no. not look like an oversized mango no. um but ladies thank you so so much for and you know our gorgeous men as well thank you so much for tuning in today we hope you've loved today's episode and you've uh you know you're excited as about this news as we are um please feel free to leave all of your well wishes for ash on the facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash the wellness women um leave it on our instagram as well which is underscore at oh no 
sorry, at underscore the wellness women. Um, you can find us on our website, thewellnesswomen.com.au. Make sure you've subscribed to us on iTunes or whatever it is that your podcast medium that you're using. Uh, make sure you're giving us five-star ratings because we love those and we love your comments. We read every single one of them. And please send us through your suggestions of the things that you want to know about because this podcast was made for you. Um, so ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.